It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. From the grassroots to the elite, from the juniors to the pros, covering the Aussies trekking the globes to the champions internationally. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome to the First Serve. It is your home of tennis. We're back for another week. Uh, Brett Phillips is my name. Joined tonight, of course, by the 2015 Newcomb medalist, owner of the Fastest Serve, part of the Channel 9 tennis stable, postcards, Popping up in the Herald Sun, executor of superbly tasting skewers. Gee, they look good. And then he gets injured. Isolated at home, like all of us, and he gets injured on home soil. Sam Groth, come in. Explain, please. Grothy? I just wasn't very smart today, BP. I was trying to... My dog's collar, she lost a little um, piece that allows it to stay clipped up and I thought I'll just put a little cable tie on there and as I went to clip the cable tie she pulled back and I cut the webbing between my thumb and my first finger and just as we speak I've split it open again I think I'm gonna to have to go get a stitch once the the show's done oh I can see it oh, come on come on you, you you'll you'll uh, you'll tough it out I'll tell you what we need both uh, grothy a bit of a, a bit of pep in our step I've, you know I've had a solid Easter it's just a strange weird old time and I thought there's just one person to go to tonight off the top of the show just to pump us up Daria Gavrilova it's over to you Dasha hi y'all I'm Pamela Pepkin and you're about to do Pamela Pepkin's quarantine workout. Wash your hands. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Woo! That's great, y'all. Let's dry those suckers off. Hey, COVID nineteen, you don't scare us. I've got nineteen ways to destroy your ass. Work those thighs, sanitize. Work those thighs. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Dasha. The visual is actually better on her Instagram account. I mean, Grothy, you gave her probably uh, the three votes. I, I mentioned Stan Vavrinka doing a beautiful job on uh, socials last week, but Dasha's been putting up some good stuff. She actually also spoke in our... Aussies Only podcast last week, which you can access through our website, thefirstserve.com.au. But uh, no, I had to have another chuckle. I, I, had a, I had a look at it today. I was feeling a little bit flat this morning and I, I thought Dasha just got me, she got me up and about. Yeah, if you Luke Savile, though, you might be losing your marbles a bit. He's, he's, got, he's stuck in a house with her at the moment. And obviously she couldn't play for, for so long and, and she got close to being able to come back. Now, this is the situation. It's... Oh. Yeah, an interesting one, isn't it? And I think we all need a little bit of a pep up. It's sort of getting to that point where yep. 
tell you what, for me, I, I like being out and about, being home for a couple of weeks. It's a little bit stale at the moment. And the wife keeps giving me jobs to do. The back fence being repaired and painted, the deck stained. We, we're running out of things to do. And I'm sure she, she'll keep finding stuff. I know she's got a list, but the quicker I get back out into the real world, the better. Yeah, there's no uh, no watching Netflix. In fact, I found Netflix for the first time. I got it hooked up over the weekend. Everyone's been raving about Netflix. You've got to get it. There's all this great stuff on. And the first thing I came across was uh, Kath and Kim reruns. <laughs> is that what Netflix is serving up? Anyway, I'm going I'm to get into it this week. I'm going to have a good look, see if I can find a few good docos and a few good movies. Yes, we know the tennis around the globe at all levels is suspended to July 12. But on the WTA side in the last few days, the Rogers Cup scheduled for August 7 to 16 in Montreal. It's a key lead-up event, of course, to the US Open has been postponed. The statement from the WTA, as a result of the measures imposed by the Quebec government prohibiting holding events until August 31, the Rogers Cup in Montreal will postpone to 2021. The WTA reiterates that health and safety will always be the top priority. We understand that this has been a difficult decision. We look forward to being back in Montreal next year. As it currently stands, the WTA Tour suspended through July 12. We'll continue to work with our tournament partners and evaluating when we'll be able to get back on the court. We do not foresee any further decisions until next month. So if the Rogers Cup is off, and just to explain, the Rogers Cup is a men's and women's event. The, they rotate between the two big Canadian cities, Montreal and Toronto, each year. So nothing official from the ATP read the uh, Rogers Cup in Toronto. That's, of course, Montreal being in Quebec. That region's imposed um, that uh, sanction, if you like, right and through till the end of August. It just doesn't spell well, does it? Because that's one of the key lead-ups uh, for the US Open. We're getting further and further into the calendar, aren't we, and events being cancelled and the goalposts keep getting moved back later and later in the year. And you just wonder at what point do they just pull up stumps and write it off. I mean, they don't want to have to do that, I'm sure. There's been chat that they can play late into the season, later than normal, late into the year and and probably get 80% of the schedule is what they were talking about. But I just don't see how that's possible. I think the ATP at one stage was saying they could still get seven Master Series events and three Grand Slams away. Now, obviously, Wimbledon's been cancelled, so the other three, US Open and the French Open, still be played this year. But I just I just don't honestly see how it's possible. I'll, I'll get on to that because there's been a fascinating sit-down with the new ATP chairman in the last week. But we spoke last week, Grothy, about the insurance that Wimbledon took out many years ago to protect themselves should something like a coronavirus happen. Just take a listen to this. They're the one Grand Slam that had pandemic insurance. Some incredible foresight by the All England Club, and they have now saved themselves millions of dollars. Check out this tweet from Darren Ravel. Uh, Wimbledon reportedly paid $2 million a year for pandemic insurance for the last 17 years. So that's a total of 34 million bucks. For this year's cancellation as the result of the coronavirus, they'll reportedly receive $141 million from the policy. $141 million, thanks to the Tennis Channel, uh, that audio. So this is phenomenal. And, and certainly what we've been reading, Grothy, the last few days is that Wimbledon, you know, in, in working collectively with all uh, the, the key stakeholders and bodies, and it seems like they're coming together more collectively than ever before, is then trying to distribute that money in the right way back to, you know, they've got staff there they need to look after and all the people associated with the tournament. But so 
seeing if that money can also filter out to you know players who are doing it tough. So that that, that is a lot of money though, and, and credit to them. I mean, it's a phenomenal amount to inject each year. But gee, the the payback. Do you take your hat off to what they've done? What was it like two million pounds? Two million pounds a year for the last seventeen years or something? They've yep. been putting into yep. this insurance policy. So. I mean, great foresight from them to be able to see and, and to, I guess, protect their financial interest as well. Um, you know, and great that they're going to use that money to obviously keep the sport sustainable in that country. I think that's the big thing here. And I know we've got a few guests coming up, but I think the problem with tennis at the moment in Australia with how it's looking is we're here in Melbourne. We can't access a tennis court, but you go mm. north of the border into New South Wales and you can have private lessons one-on-one and there's just different rules all over the country at the moment. I think that's probably where people here in Australia in terms of just the tennis uh, community and, and tennis coaches and a business are probably a little bit confused as well. Yeah, no doubt. And we'll, we'll touch on that more as we go through the show. But you alluded to the ATP. So there has been a sit-down interview with... The chairman, Andrea Gudenzi, the Italian, who had a lengthy chat to a group of Italian journalists, although led by Ilbardo Scanagata, he would have been asking you all the questions, uh, via a, a conference call. He was elected late last year, and what an introduction. He's had to deal with bushfires here in Australia, now the coronavirus. This observation was made of him. His competence, the clarity of his projects, and the long-sightedness with which he plans on accomplishing them, all of these qualities make him a standard after years of vague speech on the unresolved scheduling issues and after years of conflicting interests, which is no doubt a reference there to Chris Commode, who presided over the ATP between 2014 and 2019. Like anyone in a powerful position, had his fans, had his detractors. We have to try and play as many tournaments as we can in the weeks that we'll have at our disposal in order to preserve the rankings and the prize money and, above all, in order to provide the entertainment for our spectators. So in their planning, you touched on it, Grothy, if the situation, and it seems highly doubtful if we're reading the tea leaves. But if the situation allows, and bearing in mind they run the season-ending ATP finals, is that the players would have the chance to prove they are the best to qualify for London across the three remaining slams, seven Masters 1000. So looking at a North American swing two Masters US Open, four weeks on the clay, Rome, Madrid, French, Asia, Shanghai Masters, and then looking at the back end there, you've got uh, Paris with the Masters 1000 and then the ATP Finals. So it just seems like we're not going to be able to possibly get to that level. And financially, his comment was that they can hold on probably for a year, but beyond that, definitely not. And on the matter of financial support, we'll deal with the 250 events and the challenges first, along with the players whose ranking is compromised between 250 and 500 because they'll be the ones that need it the most. Yeah, I mean, I know he said he's trying to preserve the rankings and I just don't know whether that's right though. I think if you're playing a reduced schedule and you haven't allowed the 12 months, is that really preserving the rankings or are they better off just freezing it, coming back, starting the rankings rolling over with the tournaments whenever they start again and then matching up to where they were frozen out. So when we didn't play Indian Wells this year, the points from 2019 drop off in 2021 yep. instead of in 2020. I feel like that's almost the best way to preserve the ranking. I think playing a different schedule, what happens in 2021 when you roll around then and hopefully have a, a few full schedule of events, when do those points drop off? Does Roland Gales drop off in August, September, or does it drop off in May like it normally would? And these are all the things they're going to have to work through as well. Yeah, no doubt. And he, the reference to tennis being in a healthy state, this quote from the article, tennis is in a healthy state, very solid from a business standpoint, but if you compare its TV space to others, it takes up less than 1.2% of the available room, despite having over a billion fans. We're a top five sport, both in the men's and the women's game, while other sports revolve almost exclusively around men. Uh, we can 
can spend the next few years fighting over leftovers while there is a world of opportunity out there. Our competitors aren't just other sports but also entertainment platforms. Nowadays you're competing against people's time, attention, income, disposal. If you're a young man is sitting on his sofa, he'll have the chance to watch Netflix, listen to some music, watch other sports, a football match or a, a tennis one. The duration of a tennis match was a nightmare for TV channels but the broadcasting direction we are moving towards might benefit from this point of view provided that we can grow the game instead of narrowing our perspective to a few internal squabbles sparked by a lack of transparency and trust. So he seems to be a guy that might just be able to galvanise the tennis fraternity together. Yeah, and I think there's, and we've touched on it on pre, in previous weeks and with guests, and but I think it's an opportunity now for tennis to really revisit the way they work, revisit, revisit how the scheduling works, revisit how players are almost paid, you know, do we walk, work on a system where the players are contracted to the tour or I think there's so many ways to go about and look at what is the best option for our sport because, like we mentioned, John Isner said, if there was never a time that the players couldn't get together or the tour couldn't get together and, and make yep. things better, I mean, it's the perfect opportunity. Everyone's sitting at home. I mean, we're all getting inventive, sitting in our lounge rooms, working, of pos- working out possible ways and things to do. And I'm sure these guys, they have a sole focus to go and, and work out how the tour can be its most operational. Hopefully they're able to come up with some solutions. I know you've got something you want to put on the table in a moment. I'll allow you to do that. Uh, this is one from Gordenzi. This crisis has it at the, at the crossroads. It can either elevate our game or divide us even more. I always use the same example. In the 90s, music labels sold CDs, then the internet came along and people stopped paying for music and therefore stopped paying musicians. Steve Jobs then launched iTunes and everyone called him mad for selling songs for 99 cents. That model didn't work, but then Spotify was created and by paying $9.99, people could listen to as many songs as they wanted. What matters is the experience. Now, in relation to the ATP Cup and also the Davis Cup, I thought he made a couple of interesting points. He was asked, multi-year contracts have been signed for both events, but many, including Djokovic, have said that just one team event might be enough. What are your plans? A game, the fans come first. What's good for the game? The ATP Cup was a successful event. I went there. It was great. We have 52 weeks to play in a season. The players entered between 18 to 22 tournaments on average, so it's not an easy situation. Personally, I'm very fond of the Davis Cup, the history. I'm definitely not against sitting down with Tennis Australia and with the ITF to discuss the creation of a unified event, and that would probably be the best solution. However, I'm not sure we'd be able to achieve that because the deals are slated to run for many years, and we have a great relationship with Tennis Australia, a relationship that we'll respect and maintain because it's the right thing to do. I think it's great to start the season with a bang, then a week off, then the AO. It's not the end of the world if we can't come up with a solution. Otherwise, it'll just stay the way it is. It's interesting the way he says says everything, though, isn't it? I mean, he's obviously, and it's and it's, I guess it's what you and I have sort of been wanting as well, is, is a unified event. I think, oh, obviously, the ITF, I think they're the, probably the hardest ones, and we've, we've been open in saying that. I've been very open in my criticism of the ITF and saying they're probably the hardest ones to deal with, and they're going to have to change the way that they go about everything they do, I think. I mean, it, to me, it also doesn't make sense that in this whole situation with the ATP and the ITF and the WTA, why do we have 
the ITF running our lower level events separate to the ATP, to the challenges, to why don't we have a governing body or, or unification all the way through as well? I mean, I, there's a lot of things I, I've never really understood about the tour, you know, and I think, again, there's so much to work through. Yep, this is the time, isn't it? I mean, you know, everyone's got time on their hands now to plan accordingly. You'll be sitting there tonight as someone who runs your own business, someone who's part of a big organisation. Uh, whilst there's not that day-to-day activity going on, you can properly uh, plan instead of always being uh, on the run. We're going to come back after the break, Grothy, and get your thoughts on another interesting comment that he made. Chris O'Connell is going to join us. Of course, what a year he had uh, last year. We spoke to him when he was about 300 in the world. He got to just on the cusp of the top 100. Lawrence Robinson, CEO of Tennis New South Wales, also to come. You can keep up to date with the world of tennis via our website, thefirstserve.com.au. You can go back and listen to all our past shows, our latest Aussies Only podcast, of course, featuring Daria Gavrilova and crunching the numbers with Mark Safoulis and Shane Leonard. Uh, putting together some really good content these guys. High performance coaching, science, data, episode five, uh, focusing on serve ascendancy and serve impact. All part of our additional content to complement our show here each week. You can follow us on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We're here thanks to Top Agents Real Estate. If you're looking to buy, rent, sell or have that property investment managed, make contact with David and his team, 955-8499 or at top-agents.com.au and you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Back with more on the first serve the first serve your home of tennis Welcome back to The First Serve, Brett Phillips and uh, Sam Groth uh, with you covering the world of tennis. Not a lot going on on the court, like all sports around uh, the world, but there's uh, plenty going on uh, behind the scenes. one 736 736 Aaron at Airport West has given us a call. Aaron, good evening. BP, how you going, mate? Going very well. What do you got for us? Love the show. Always love the show. Uh, Thank you. Interesting what... Grothy was saying earlier just about the bit of confusion that's going on about local tennis clubs and all that sort of stuff going on at the moment. I know New South Wales, I think, are allowing one-on-one uh, coaching and hitting or something like that, I'm led to believe. I know in Victoria, a lot of people are confused by that, I guess. Um, but ultimately, as a club president myself, we're kind of, we're ultimately have to adhere to what local council tells us. And I know from my point of view in Muni Valley, we are, we are closed because... We're basically, we're a tenant, so we have to listen to what council says. But um, it's interesting, the language that's been coming out in the media over the weekend about we're starting to hear a lot of talk about easing restrictions and when that's going to happen. And I think it's very dangerous, though, just to be, you know, talking about that just now. I think we're dealing with livelihoods, I get it. We're dealing with mental health and all that, people that want to play, coaches. I just, I think we've got to be very careful. Eh? I think we've got to be very careful. You had the opportunity. Would you leave the club open in your circumstance? I'm a massive golfer, and a lot of the golf clubs I remember at Commonwealth, they closed up before the restrictions came in place. If you had the opportunity, would you keep the club open? Oh, I would, Grothy. I would. I um, I've grown up my little club in North Essendon. Uh, Older, older Gooch, Anthony, he's our coach at Tutagala. I know Anthony and I talk all the time, we're friends. I don't want to see him suffer in any way, but the, the club's doing all they can to support him from a, from a, you know, point of view of his livelihood and his career. Um, but from a, a tennis point of view, I, I don't want to see the doors open until I don't want to see friends or family get sick. Um, I feel that responsibility as a club president to, you know, it's just, it's not just about having a hit. There's so much more that, that comes with it too. So. Good on you, Aaron. Hey, really appreciate your call. We'll put that to Lawrence Robinson. I mean, obviously, the, every, every state 
is in a different position and uh, with their uh, you know, state authorities, government, local councils and so forth. But uh, I'll put that to Lawrence. But we'll continue to certainly track uh, what's happening at grassroots uh, level. Really appreciate you coming on. The Monte Carlo Masters uh, meant to take place this week, Grothy, but we've created a virtual version. We've actually randomised the main draw. All you need to do is vote for who wins each match. Uh, polled votes by you will decide who is crowned the champion. And you can do that on our first serve Twitter page. I also noticed that Frances Elisa Corne is set to release a book. I hope she talks about her meltdown that I saw in Hobart a few years ago about her life on the WTA Tour and beyond. Now, the launch has been delayed due to the coronavirus. That was due to coincide with the French Open in May, but will now be published in September. Now, there's a lot of sports uh, going down memory lane all over our social media. We're watching all the old footy matches, which is outstanding. Now, I thought we'd go back into the archives, uh, Grothy. When we did some breakfast radio together back in late 2017, ahead of your last tournament, which was the 2018 Australian Open, amongst other things, you reflected on your five worst destinations on tour. Now, the full chat I've actually uh, put up on all our socials uh, today. People didn't hear that about two and a half years ago, but here's just a, a little snippet of that. You organise a car, hmm. you know, pay some guy, however much money, you know, he, you negotiate with him and he drives you five hours through the mountain on dodgy roads to uh, to Kashi. You get there. Kashi's where the US used to have an army base yep. for Afghanistan. So yep. it's sort of getting down that way towards the Afghan border. Um, third floor of the hotel I was staying on. Yep. The water doesn't get to the third floor. So you're travelling on your own here? Yep. No, yep. there's a couple of Aussie guys there. Okay. So I was lucky because I was on the third floor. So I used to have to go down to Adam Feeney's room to yep. shower because he had water on the first floor. I didn't get it on the third floor. Um, when you go into Uzbekistan, you're meant to declare how much money you're taking into the country. Right. Um, I didn't know this for the first time, so you say you're taking in $800 cash. Um, you change at the airport, they've got inflation's ridiculous. You get a plastic bag that's just full of money. Like It's like you've won the lotto. Yep. Um, but when you leave the country, you're not allowed to take out more money than you bring in. So... I had, you have a good week okay. and you have more than your 800 bucks all of a sudden. You've not, doesn't, you don't spend much when you're there. No. Um, and we get there and someone says from the tournament, well, you know, they used to pay cash back in that, that certain countries back in the day. They don't do it anymore. Yeah. But someone from the tournament said, oh, you're not allowed to take more money out than you brought in. I said, well, <laughs> heads up would have been nice. See, so going out of the airport, you're, you're wrapping money. So I remember sitting there and putting $100 bills around my racket handle and then gripping over the top of them. <laughs> So you could try to smuggle money out of the country illegally and then putting money under the, like, insoles in your shoes, guys putting $100 notes in their shoes, guys putting, like, so literally hiding money to smuggle it out of the country so the government doesn't confiscate it on the way out. Now, it was very entertaining radio a couple of years ago. In fact, even the great Kerry O'Keefe, Grothy, who rang in when I was on air maybe a couple of months later, he was on his way to the MCG. It would have been, what, day three or four of the, of the test of that particular year. It doesn't take much for Kerry to get into <laughs> rapturous laughter. He was beside himself. That's just a little snippet. It goes about 15 minutes and Uzbekistan uh, took the cake as number one. It was a it was a good least grothy amongst a lot of good stories that you told. Oh, there's plenty of them on the on the road over the years. There's plenty that can't be told as well. But geez, I've been to some average places, and yeah, that was just one of them. Well, I'll tell you what. For Lisa Cornet is going to pen a book. I reckon you've <laughs> got to put something together, mate, because I reckon it'd be brilliant. I reckon our next guest can relate to what he just would have heard down the line there, because he's played in many far flung spots all around the world, and he was really the success story of the Australian 
men last year, winning 80-plus matches, had lost his ranking under the new ITF rankings rules. He, he was able to get that back and then work his way all the way to be on the cusp of the top 100. And unfortunately, like for many, his momentum has sort of been stalled. But we wanted to check in with Chris O'Connell, who had a really good chat with Darren Walton, a really good tennis journalist for the AAP in the last few days. Chris, nice to have you back on the first serve again. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I don't know if you just heard that little uh, snippet. I mean, Grothy uh, went to many, many places, and that's uh, part of being a, a tour professionals, and particularly when you were working your way through the ranks. You're going to some spots that you just wouldn't put on the holiday destination list. Have you got one or two that just stand out, Chris, across the journey that you've been there and you're thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, uh, I mean, I can definitely relate to Grothy's story. I've had plenty of um, stories like that over the past few years. Um, and, yeah, one of them that springs to mind is Uzbekistan as well. I actually went there uh, a couple of years ago and... Um, yeah, that was a very uh, strange country to be in um, and very interesting. Um, yeah, I played a couple, I played one tournament there and then a tournament in Kazakhstan. So I remember crossing the border um, at 12, uh, 12 a.m. and uh, yeah, having a bit of a run in with the, the border control because I didn't have one of the, uh, uh, the immigration, um, well, not immigration, but the. Uh, one of one of the papers that you get from uh, arriving at the airport and uh one of the uh russian tennis players that i was with um helped me actually uh get past one of the checkpoints but uh, i was pretty nerve-wracking pretty chaotic in the in the border crossing yeah it's i'm sure there's plenty i'll tell you what a couple more months of this though we'll all be crying out for a trip trip to uzbekistan yes. a few more months locked at home yeah. i'll tell you Um, But I guess the thing for you is, last year, what an amazing year, obviously, you took a break, you came back, you won 84 odd matches, and we were reading, Brett and I, through your article where you did sit down and chat with Darren Walton, and just, I guess, your current situation, based on all this, you were flying, you obviously had that wild card in the Australian Open, how, I guess, is this uh, moment affecting you, and and how are you dealing with it, and how are you going to come out the other side and continue that momentum that you had going so strongly coming into 2020? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said in the article with Darren, um, I'm using this time to reset um, and uh, just reassess my game and um, um, just work on a few things. Um, I've had plenty of time off in the past few years with injuries, so um, it's not new to me to have some time off and then come back. Um, but, yeah, it's a little bit different now because, I mean, everyone's having time off. Um, but um, just staying healthy, um, I'm uh, hitting as much as possible um, throughout the week but not overdoing it, um, just keeping myself ticking over, um, doing a lot of gym work and running a lot, um, and yeah, I mean, who knows when I'll be playing again? But um, yeah, I'm just yeah keeping myself ticking over at the, at the moment. You had a great year last year with that transition from ITF futures events onto the challenger circuit. I'm guessing you were going to try and play more ATP events this year and take that next jump. We've been speaking so much about the tour and and how it's almost dysfunctional at the moment and all of these organisations not speaking to each other. You've had the ability over the last year to play through all these different levels. Is there anything that you'd like to see the tour do now that we have this break when you come back to make things function a little bit better from a player's point of view? Yeah, yeah, I haven't really thought about that all too much. Um, I mean, when the whole new system came in and um, I just... I just put my head down and just 
I just thought that's how I've got to, that's got to, I've got to do. I'm just got to cop it this way. Um, and I really didn't think about it all too much. I just, I just went through uh, the ITF uh, circuit and transitioned onto the ATP circuit, uh, onto the Challenger circuit. Um, and yeah, my next step at the moment is to yeah get onto the ATV tour and um, stay there and solidify myself in that top 100. Brett, I have a question for you and then you can ask Chris something here, but do you think this is maybe, and Chris, you can chime in here as well, because do you think this is maybe the problem a little bit with the lesser ranked players and, and the dysfunction between the ATP tour and what's below is quite often the players who are working their way up, they're just trying to survive. So their thought is not really about how the tour should function better. It's just about keeping going week to week. I agree, Grothy, and uh, obviously all the bodies at the moment are looking to try and somehow, you know, fund those players until we can get back to some sort of normality. That might not be for another eight months. I mean, this is a hell of a long time. Grothy, we're going to run out of time tonight. Why don't you just, I want you to weave in. We were talking, Chris, and I want to see what you think of this idea because we were mentioning an interview with the ATP chairman earlier, Andrea Gordenzi, and he was was actually asked a question through this pandemic about uh, would you, you know, limiting events to just one area, be it Europe, North America or Asia, so that the players wouldn't have to travel too much between continents. Uh, his comment was, our job is to put a smile on people's faces. We're part of the entertainment business. Sure enough, we don't want to become a regional sport because that would mean taking a step back and that would also create a ranking problem since the best players would be competing in different leagues instead of against each other. However, it is certainly an option, even if it's not our preferred choice. Now, that, that's the short term, but Grothy, and you can, we can get Chris to weigh in here. You, you've been thinking about the long-term structure of tennis where we've now got this opportunity to think about it. Yeah, just sitting at home this week, literally running around the house, working out what to do with myself. I just started thinking, and obviously, again, I'm, I'm a huge golf fan, and it's something that golf probably does well. It could do better. But tennis, we've got the ATP Tour, which follows a very set schedule, and then players basically pick where they go below that every week of the year. And, Chris, you went and played pretty much all of last year in Europe, so that was your decision to go play basically yeah. a European tour for yourself. Well, Instead of Tennis Australia going out, for example, and, and funding players, why don't they put on a 25-, 30-week tour here in Australia, have a tour in Australia, a tour in Europe, have the ATP tour above, obviously, South America and Asia and all the regions have their tour, and you still earn ranking points. And you, if you do really well, you can still jump up into that main echelon. But maybe you have orders of merits like golf does where if you finish top two on the Australian tour next year, you gain entry into or automatic entry into certain amounts on the ATP tour, you get certain entries into Grand Slam events, and maybe then, because the conversation always comes back to how can we support the lesser ranked players better, if you can offer them a tour with the ability to travel less, keep their travel costs down, but also the ability to earn more ranking points, and if you go and excel, it's the players that go and travel and and reach reach their way up to the top that are, are the ones that are excelling anyway. They're the ones that move through the level. If you can support those players with a tour where it maybe costs them less to start with before they do transition through, I think that could be a, a good option. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I completely agree. I haven't really thought about much of that. I've just been concentrating on, uh, yeah, yeah, starting up and get back on the tour when it kicks off again. But, I mean, um, yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Um, I, I mean, even um, later on in the year, if we can get some internal uh, tournaments happening in Australia and the Australian Oceania area, then, um, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good for the tour. Yeah, I think you haven't had a lot of time to, to, to digest that. And I think, Grothy, it's interesting because we always compare tennis 
and golf. You know, there, there's so many similarities, played all year round, but the only difference is, is that the golf has the tours in the different continents and then obviously the, the best perform, you know, will obviously, you know, qualify for the, the four majors. So it's it's an interesting concept. I, I reckon, you know, tennis has got to probably look at everything. I think you, you sort of relayed this to me in the last sort of 24 to, to 48 hours. I think, you know, tennis now has to really start thinking about doing it differently. What that looks like is um, is, is the hard thing to pinpoint right here and now. But yeah, you know, if, they, if they're trying to, if, they, if, if the aim is to try and have more players make money out of the sport, then the biggest thing that hurts tennis players that I speak to is the costs of actually having to fund yourself around the world. And you're not at that lower level. You're spending far more than what you're earning at, at tournaments. So maybe, maybe Grothy, there's some merit in it. Well, there's always been that conversation here in Australia, even if we were working on the old system, is how many tournaments do we need and do we keep players at home and let them build a ranking and then send them away? But, you know, imagine if we had, you know, $10,000, $100,000 challenges and then twenty. Well, 10 50,000s and 10 15,000s, all of a sudden you've got 30 weeks to be able to play and, and the travel costs are kept down and the players can get the experience and they can get the matches and yes, it's within people, it's with people within Australia, but the top, the cream will still rise to the top, it always does. Yeah. Hey, Chris, one last one for you. Uh, so we've, we've woven a few yep. things into this discussion uh, here tonight, yep. but what, what does the short term financially look like for you and, and how you go about navigating through financially the next maybe six to eight months possibly yeah um it, i mean it's pretty tough um i've had to sign up for centrelink um like most most people have um and yeah. i have got a little bit of a coaching uh gig with another player called matt barton so um i can get a bit of cash by doing a bit of coaching um but i mean that's basically it um i've got no other form of income at the moment um so yeah, uh, it's going to be tough for a little while. But I mean, just like most most people at the moment in the world, it, it's going to be tough. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to have to make do with what I have at the moment. Well, mate, we wish you the best. Uh, I think for all of us in life, we're just getting out of bed, taking it one day at a time, and and trying to have that sort of uh, glass half full approach and uh, and get through it somehow, mate. Really appreciate you coming on. Your tennis That's was right. outstanding last year, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me, Chris O'Connell. What a year! 84 wins last year. Uh, Yarra Tennis Coaching on the way to the break. Melbourne's award-winning coaching program there at Eaglemont. A beautiful, leafy part of Melbourne just off the Eastern Freeway. 20 teams, junior and adult programs, private lessons. Discover more at yarratennis.com.au. Back with more on The First Serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Well, plenty going on here at home during this coronavirus pandemic at grassroots level. Tennis Australia reaching out to each club to develop a club-specific plan for the next three to six months and how they can really assist the clubs on how they can engage their players with no action at the courts, how they can proactively come out the other end with a specific plan with the biggest opportunity around the digital running of their club. TA looking to launch a program that has been used by the LTA and a number of other sports to help the clubs run more effectively for coaches focusing on resources for them to stay connected with their players and do some professional development and TA lobbying the government for a sports-specific package for community sport and uh, set to announce that coaches will have 24-hour access to a professional organisation that specialises in support for HR issues, business management, etc. So plenty happening in that space. We thought we'd have a chat to the CEO of Tennis New South Wales, also the General Manager of the ATP Cup, 
in Sydney, Lawrence Robinson. Lawrence, great to have you on the show. Happy to see you. How are you? Uh, going very well. Uh, we're, I'd love a little bit more time, but as we always are, we are against the clock here. So I just wanted to touch base. We had a call... <laughs> Earlier in the show, you know, it's like that. Grothy talks too much. Uh, earlier in the show, we had a caller from a, a club here in Melbourne. And obviously each state, as you're aware, Lawrence, is different in the rules for tennis clubs and how they can operate and how many people you can have down there. New South Wales, you know, certainly the rules change from a government perspective in regard to tennis. Can you just explain what's happening in your neck of the woods where it seems that most of the, or the rest of the country is sort of in that, that lockdown, if you like, have not been able to access their tennis clubs? Um, well, look, we, um, we've been uh, in a position now for the last couple of weeks where we've permitted, our guidelines have permitted um, private coaching, one-on-one coaching, and singles play on, on sort of court hire. And that's really on the back of um, it's a New South Wales government advice. Um, both, both ourselves and, uh, and golf have been deemed um, acceptable within government uh, guidelines, within the public health orders. And, um, and we as a sport, whilst we had a short period where we sort of we, we closed completely um, and we were trying to get ahead of the government, I guess our, our government took a little bit of an about turn and uh, we, we decided to sort of follow, follow suit. And so um, I think we're probably a little bit different to Victoria in that there's, there's probably more um, coaching businesses, coach operators, particularly in Sydney, and um, you know, with the government saying that even you know, someone like a personal trainer being you know, an essential worker at the moment, we felt we had to do something in order to try and uh, provide a, a you know an opportunity for our coaches to to make some money during this challenge. But at the same point, um, making sure our guidelines and they were they were very much that they are guidelines, they're recommendations to any volunteer run club. If they just didn't feel they could meet those guidelines, then we had no problem with them remaining closed. And so I think we probably found a good middle ground for the time. Uh, what was the feedback in that small section? So you had a, a period of time where you were shut down and then you again reopened. Has the feedback been from the clubs that they've wanted to stay open and they've wanted to be able to have or allow people to have access to coaching and to the clubs or are people still very cautious in going out and attending tennis clubs? What's the feedback been from, from your point of view? Um, look, I think on the whole, the certainly the, the kind of professional operators were, were pleased to have an opportunity to, 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 to do something. Um, I would say the majority of our volunteer clubs have remained closed, and, and we're we're okay with that. That's if they feel they can't meet the the guidelines, if they can't meet hygiene protocols, if they can't uh, monitor social distancing, and they feel it's uh, far easier for them to remain closed, then 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 they remain closed. And to be honest, Grossi, I mean, a lot of our local councils, um, you know, they own eighty percent of our courts anyway, or they certainly are the principal owner of the courts. Many of them have remained closed because they also feel that they can't meet and monitor the protocols. So we're, you know, where where some some courts are open, um, we believe court hire is going well and people are observing those protocols. But um, there's still a fair number that are closed. And as I say, I think we're we're comfortable. We, we respect people's choices in these you know challenging times so it's been a real a bit of a bit of everything really we'd love to ask you a few more i'm up against the clock unfortunately lawrence there's probably two or three others i wanted to get in we might try and uh, we might even try and do that for our socials during the week and also play this as part of the show for next week appreciate you coming on to update us on new south wales um we'll i'll get back in touch okay thanks Brett. thanks for good to speak to you both
Lawrence Robinson, CEO of Tennis New South Wales. We're just uh, running out of time uh, tonight, but there's the differences between the states. Starting from scratch, they offer premium glass repair. They specialise in the removal of window scratches, bringing it back to its former glory. Now, whether it's scratches in the sliding door that your pet dog has caused, uh, Grothy's are running a mark there in the background. We said to be crashed to the local milk bar that has been graffiti tagged with a knife. They can remove it. Starting from scratched.com.au. Back to wrap up on the first serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Uh, Brett Phillips, Sam Groth on this Monday night. Now, here at The First Serve, we're always wanting to link in with very meaningful organisations uh, making a difference. It was around two and a half years ago that I emceed one of the most powerful nights that I have been to uh, run by 100 Words. Now, 100 Words was inspired by the global problem of increasing rates of mental health challenges and suicides, particularly in men. 100 Words is about mate to mate. Its vision is to create a national network of active local communities to improve men's mental health and reduce male suicides. To discover more, you can log on to 100words.com.au. They're all over social media as well. And right now you can actually join the movement and check in on your mates, uh, particularly through this time where we've all got a bit of isolation. Commit to connect with a mate at eight. You can use the hashtag mate to mate at eight on social media. Each Tuesday night at eight, 100 Words will be chatting to a a sports identity, local business person, just some really inspirational people who've got a good story to tell. It kicks off with North Melbourne footballer Mason Wood, which is via Zoom, and you can register via 100words.com.au. It's a great cause, uh, Grothy, and, and men often don't talk, so just... Keep in touch uh, with your mates out there. Going to be plenty of people who are struggling and don't have people to speak to during this time as well. So, you know, reach out to someone. There's going to be people out there who are willing to have a chat. And, you know, I think especially during like this, we all need someone. Yeah, absolutely. Chris O'Connell said he's coaching Matthew Barton. I was at Roehampton. Barton beat Hutchinov to qualify for Wimbledon for the first time. Since then, their careers went in the absolute opposite direction. Maybe a comeback. We'll keep an eye on that story. Thanks, Grothy. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Nice work. We'll do it all Again, uh, a quick hour. Of course, catch the podcast at thefirstserve.com.au. Follow us on social media, all our platforms, of course, all our podcasts, and we'll do it all again 6 o'clock next Monday night. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91